I'm Lee Jazzes, and you're listening to the Euro Trip Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Euro Trips Podcast. We're back for yet another review of of the week of European football. I'm your host Andy, and I'm as ever joined by our four normal guests, Alex, Jonathan, Naeem, and Ryan. How are you, boys? All good here. Good. Very good. Yeah, well, thank. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, we're going to start with a slightly negative point. Um, mainly, we mentioned in our last pod, right at the end of our last pod, that we were due to head to Florence to watch Fiorentina against Lazio, uh, but sadly, due to COVID, we couldn't make it. So, um, apologies for our YouTube watchers that there was no video this weekend. But we're hoping, you know, to get back to normal at some point in the next few I, weeks. I can't lie. I, I think every other podcast and YouTube channel was said. I'm um, going to have to start off a bit negative, and their negative point has been far more negative and deep than that <laughs> one. So I think I don't uh, think our listeners will be too too displeased. I think I think they'll be all right with this one. <laughs> it was, I think comparatively, we started off on quite a light note. Yeah, to be fair, thankfully, you know, I don't own a pet cat, so um, I, I should be fine. But um, in fairness, Zuma has been signed up by Puma. He should be in good hands. <laughs> yeah. Didn't like, I think there's, um, obviously anyone doesn't know, Kazuma was involved in quite a sickening video where he kicked his pet cat. I've been told, I think from what I've seen today, that they've actually, the RSPC have actually come in and taken the cats away from him. Yeah, they are. Sort of um, GT heist style sort of move. So, um, (laughs) good, that's the best move for everyone, I think. Um, We we mentioned Syria. Uh, We we might as well go there first. Uh, So, we head to Syria. So, what's been happening in the last seven days in Italy, Ryan? Well, we've got a title race, so that's a <laughs> positive. <laughs> um, Inter, Milan and Napoli, possibly even Juve, are all now in with a chance of winning the Scudetto this season. Obviously, we can thank Milan for this, as they came from behind to beat an in the derby on Saturday 2-1. Two quick goals from Oli Giroud sealed the three points, and it's quite an entertaining game, to be fair. When is it not between these two European giants, but that victory has basically pulled in and out back into a dogfight between, as both Napoli and Juve, as I say, won their games. Now, with Juve, some will say they haven't really got a chance because of the points gap and how bad they've been, especially in the first half of the season. But I disagree just because Allegri now seems to have got settled 11 and a settled tactical style in my opinion and with the additions that he made in January I feel like they personally will have the most consistency in terms of not losing games between now and the end of the season because we haven't seen that consistency from the top three Milan and Napoli in particular obviously you know they do have a, a game in hand but we've seen the games in hand brigade torn apart in recent weeks especially in the Premier League so I feel there's going to be a four-way battle between these lot. Juve, at the moment, they're eight points clear of uh, the top spot. But again, I think they'll be the most consistent. And Italian football at the moment is so unpredictable. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Elsewhere, we saw Roma only draw nil-nil with 19th placed and a new-look Genoa side in a feisty encounter, which saw two red cards. One for each side, plus five bookings. Both teams had chances, actually, to win that game. 
Genoa looked like a completely different team. Uh, the controversy in that game actually came towards the end as Nicolo Zaniolo, who was a very, very good attacking player for Roma, unfortunately, he's just always injured. He scored an added time only for VAR to rule it out for a foul made by Tammy Abraham in the build-up. This then led to Zaniolo being sent off for confronting the referee and obviously saying something a bit over the line. Mourinho was absolutely fuming, but then again, he always is. And ultimately, you have to credit Genoa, who played very, very well and could argue probably deserved to win in the end. But Andy mentioned it, obviously, was due to attend the Lazio-Fiorentina game. Unfortunately, my immune system loves contracting COVID, so we couldn't go. But Lazio, they put three past that Fiorentina side, thanks to goals from Milinkovic-Savic, Immobile and an own goal from Baragi. Immobile, he continues, though, his quest to be top goal scorer this season against Dusan Vlahovic. Speaking of that man, he scored on his Juventus debut, along with fellow debutant Denis Zakaria, to give Juve 2-0 a win over Verona. At Atlanta, they were actually beaten at home by Cagliari, who, again, were in the bottom three. With that three points, they now lift themselves up into 17th place, pushing Venezia down to 18th after they were beaten at home by Napoli. And really, with there's now three fights, really, three mini-leagues going on. You've got the one for the title, the one to survive, and then the one for Europa League and Conference League football is... You've got 5th place Atalanta, 6th place Lazio, 7th place Roma and 8th place Fiorentina all challenging for those two, possibly three remaining European slots. It depends who wins the Coppa Italia this season as that's open to anyone at the moment really. And yeah, just another unpredictable weekend of Serie R action really, nothing else to report. Yeah, I think it seems like one of the best title races this year in of, of definitely of our five leagues. Um, talking of which, another one of the leagues is in Spain. So, Naeem, what's been happening in Spain? Yeah, so kicking off this weekend, um, we had like a bottom of the table clash, Getafe. They took on bottom of the table, Levante, and they w- went out 3-0 winners. That win for Getafe actually now means that they've got a nice little five-point cushion from the relegation zone. Uh, Deportiva, they also took on uh, Elche, another, another uh, bottom of the table clash. They actually went 1-0 up Deportiva, thanks to Hosselu in the first half, but three goals in the second half secured the three points for Elche. Um, who obviously, yeah, they're now eight points from, uh, from the drop zone as well, so uh, quite good there. Mallorca, they also got a much-needed win, in the, which was their first in five games. Uh, they beat another relegation-threatened team, Cadiz, 2-1 at home, um, after going behind the goal in the eighth minute. Sevilla, they they took on Osasuna um, in a game which Osasuna actually did dominate in the first half. Sevilla didn't have any shots um, in that half, but in the second half, they did play a bit better and... They could have won the game in the 93rd minute as they had a penalty, but even Rakitic, he had his penalty saved by Sergio Herrera, who after the game was celebrating with the fans. Uh, it was obviously Sevilla. They are obviously chasing a title, and you know to get a, get a nil-nil draw at home is, is nothing too 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 bad there. 
Uh, next game we had was Valencia against Real Sociedad. That was another nil-nil draw, so nothing too much to really report there. Uh, Villarreal, um, they're obviously chasing the top six positions. They took on Real Betis, um, who are in third place. In the reverse fixture, they beat them 2-0, and they've done so again today. Um, sorry, not today. They've done so on the weekend. Uh, goals from Pau Torres and Etienne Capu. He scored a nice little curling shot from outside the box. Real Betis actually did have a chance to make it 1-1 um, in the second half, as they were awarded a penalty, um, as Serge Aurier was judged to have handled the ball. But the referee had a look, and he overturned the penalty as Aurier was kind of trying to get out of the way of the ball. So it wasn't a penalty anyway. So that was the right decision there. So, yeah, they went on to win 2-0. Um, Real Madrid, they took on Granada at home on Sunday, but they was without Benzema, Vinicius Jr. and Casemiro. In a game where Granada did have a few chances, they he, uh, they actually troubled Courtois a few times, but, you know, they didn't, didn't do too much there. But obviously the busy of the two goalkeepers... Uh, was Luis Maximiano. He made 10 saves from Real Madrid's outstanding 24 shots they had um, on goal. Uh, the only goal of the game actually came from Asensio with a nice curling shot from outside the box. So obviously they keep their six-point gap from Sevilla um, by winning. So the next game, arguably the game of the weekend, was Barcelona against... Atletico Madrid uh, in a game which saw uh, Adama Traore make his debut for the Catalans. Um, he, he actually did play well, to be fair. Um, he was giving, giving a left-back quite a lot of problems. But Atletico actually did go 1-0 up, thanks to Yannick Carrasco in the eighth minute. Before two minutes later, Jordi Alba scored the goal, uh, goal of the weekend and probably goal of the season so far in the Liga with... A nice volley from inside the box, thanks to Dani Alves' um, little cross. Uh, ten minutes later, Cavi made Javi made it two one with assist from Traore. Uh, before half time, Ronald Arujo made it three one to put him up three one in the second first half. Sorry, uh, in the second half though, Dani Alves he was on the score sheet again with a nice, well taken goal. Before ex Barcelona player Luis Suarez managed to get a goal back. But this wasn't enough as they lost 4-2 in the end. And Danny Alves, he actually did get sent off with a straight red. It was a bad tackle from behind. So obviously he, he will miss the uh, next few games there. And rounding, rounding off the other games um, of the weekend quickly. Hold on a sec. Yeah, Athletic Club, they, they beat Espanyol 2-1 at home. And yeah, that that's pretty much what happening happens. Not really too much shocks there um, in the weekend. You know, all, all the bottom three teams they lost, so they didn't gain any points. But the three teams above them in the drop zone, they all won their games against the teams in the bottom three. So they've got a, got a good little cushion there. Um, at the top of the table, not not much has really changed. Um, Real Madrid still remain top, six points clear of Sevilla who, as I mentioned before, have drawn their last three games. Um, so I'm not too, sh- well, not too sure what's going to be happening there. Third place is Real Batiste with 40 points. They're seven points behind Sevilla. Barcelona now have creeped up into the fourth spot after their win against Atletico on 38 points. Atletico Madrid have dropped down to fifth, fifth place with 36 points. And 
securing that other European spot is Villarreal. And before I obviously just finish my roundup, um, I did when I was watching the La Liga highlights show, they did mention that Jan Oblak has conceded more goals than he has made saves this season. So they conceded thirty. <laughs> goals. Yeah, I was correct. I, I couldn't believe it. So. Um, yeah, he conceded 30 goals and he's only made 24 saves so far in the league, which is crazy to think. Um, that is an unreal stat. That yeah, I, I couldn't believe it because he's, he's been such a consistent goalkeeper for them for the last couple of years. And this season, yeah, they, they've conceded more I'm goals. I'm getting 1920, 1920 Kepper up to compare while you continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah, so... Yeah, um, Atletico Madrid, they've conceded more goals so far this season than they did in the whole of last season. So they, they are a bit more open this season. And yeah, they have been struggling considering they did win the league. Or I know, although they did kind of fall off a little bit towards the end of the season. But yeah, they're they're not in good form at the moment. Um, and yeah, I'm not too sure if Simeone will stay there too much longer. But, you know, he's, he's been there over a decade now. So yeah, we'll see. So yeah, that's um, a quick roundup of the league. Not too much has changed at the top and the bottom of the table, but yeah, there's still a lot of games to play. So yeah, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. I can compare to Ke- to Kepa. Uh, uh, no, as you said, was that this season Oblak has made 22 saves and conceded 30. 1920 Kepa uh, had a similar thing. He conceded 40. Uh, oh no, Kepa was better. He conceded 47, <laughs> but made 55 saves. And as a, I, I'm looking at this now, this is mental. Uh, well, last season, pretty much across his career, Oblak has been averaging 2.5-ish saves per game. And this season, he's averaging exactly one save per game. Wow. Mental. Great stuff. Crazy, yeah. Well, I thought I'd share that Wasn't with everyone. <laughs> No, that's a great one. I'm definitely going to use that in the future. That's a great stat. But wasn't there something similar with Claudio Bravo a few years ago from, from Man City? Wasn't there something crazy like something similar with that, I want to say? Probably not, because I don't think he made a save. Because <laughs> 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 Bravo, it's, it's, it's something about, um, I will find it at some point before. If I oh, can, I'll check in the background. I'll check in the background. Um, yeah, you, men- you mentioned um, Atletico Madrid. Mm. So they play in the next week or two Manchester United in the um, Champions League um, and on the same day as this podcast being released we are releasing a Manchester United club special podcast one of our returning to our club focus episodes and I did record one today with two Manchester United fans I, I know so that should be out either just before or just after this podcast being released so do check it out when it's released um, speaking of the Premier League there was no Premier League, well, not much Premier League really action to talk about in sort of the last few days. Uh, there was a game on last Saturday. Also, the main thing this weekend just gone was the FA Cup. Uh, but there was a game in the Premier League we saw, which saw Birmingham and Watford play out a 0-0 draw. And then there are some Premier League games in about 20 minutes time and half an hour's time. City are playing Brentford, Norwich are playing Palace, Spurs are playing Southampton and Aston Villa are playing Leeds. And yesterday, Burnley and Man U drew 1 1. Um, speaking of Man U, um, Paul Pogba and Jay Rodriguez scored the goals. The Man U did have two goals ruled out for VAR. One you can argue for, but one I think was questionable. Uh, Jared Bowen c- continues his good form with a 1 0 win over Watford. For West Ham, he scored the only goal in the game. And Newcastle are now out of the relegation zone after a 3 1 home win against Frank Lampard's Everton, his first game in the league in charge of Everton. Uh, there was an own goal from Mason Holgate. 
Um, but also there was goals from oh and, and Jamal Sells. There's two own goals in this game. Both Jamal Sells and Holgate both got the own goals. There's a goal from Ryan Fraser and a wonderful free kick from Kieran Trippier. But let's move on to the FA Cup, which is obviously the big uh, the big focus last weekend. So the looking at the results of the FA Cup, you men, we mentioned Man United before. They went out after drawing 1-1 at home to Middlesbrough and losing on penalties. And going into the Saturday, Kidderminster Harriers and Plymouth Argyle both would feel very unlucky after weekends of um, disappointment. Kidderminster were leading 1-0 for most of the second half and a West Ham scored the last-minute equaliser in this game through Declan Rice, who showed us his best Michael Jackson impression. And then um, just had to look like they were going to penalties, Jared Bowen, speaking of the man, he got a 120th minute winner in this game to break the Kidderminster hearts. And then Plymouth Argyle went mondled up at Stamford Bridge uh, before Chelsea did equalise, um, I believe it was through Aspen Equator, before uh, the game went to extra time. Marcus Alonso got the winning goal in extra time. And then the heartbreak for Plymouth was that they got a penalty with two, three minutes left. And Malang Sarr was the one to give it away. But, and obviously it was sadly for Plymouth a missed penalty. Um, the goal came from Matt Gillespie as well. Um, I, I believe that's his name. And then heading on to the rest of Saturday's fixtures, um, looking at these now, they were mo- mostly sort of routine results. Look at the um, likes of um, Norwich beat Wolves, maybe a shock. Huddersfield beat Barnley 1-0. Peterborough beat QPR 2-0. City beat Fulham 4-1. Stoke beat Wigan 2-0. Southampton beat Coventry in extra time 2-1 with a late winner from Carl Walker-Peters. Crystal Palace won 2-0 against Hartlepool. Luton beat Cambridge 3-0 away from home. Tottenham beat Brighton at home 3-1. Uh, Liverpool beat Cardiff 3-1 with new man Luis Diaz getting an assist. Uh, but the two shocks came on the Sunday. Two more shocks came on the Sunday. The biggest one um, came from Bournemouth as Bournemouth lost 1-0 to Boreham Wood, non-league side Boreham Wood, which is one of the biggest shocks definitely of the tournament, if not the last few years. And then the other shock result came from the Midlands derby as Nottingham Forest won 4-1 against Leicester as the pressure on Brendan Rodgers continues. Um, so that is my, safe, I say Premier League, my English football roundup for this week. So now we're going to head to our penultimate league this week. And this... Um, falls to France and we're heading to Alex. So Mr Barker what's been happening in the last seven days in France? Mr Barker? He sounded like my school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well I've done my homework sir. Um, uh, I've been watching League this weekend. Uh, good boy, uh, good boy, good boy. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, uh, so one place to start really is Lille v uh, PSG on Sunday evening. The champions playing PSG, uh, losing five. Uh, was it five one in the end? I've lost count there. Five one in the end, but it was so unfair on Lille. I mean that, that's going to sound whiny because I was hot on Lille's uh, sort of ride last season. They went to the title, but their goalkeeper, even Gerbich, I think I believe his name is, he's on loan from I think Atletico Madrid. He's been, he's seen as like the future there. That's what I've read, and he was awful. Like the first two goals PSG scored were direct errors from him, and then the third goal I think was Messi's, uh, where Botman first made a great tackle, but then he tried to cut, kick it away and it rebounded into Messi's feet. At that point, it was like three one, and PSG could kind of just. Like they they were able to cruise to it, so I really don't think 
that 5-1 that gave a fair indication of that game. It wasn't a 5-1 game at all. Uh, I think Lille were in it until um, like the second goal went in, which was Kempembe. And like I said, it was a garbage error. I think the first one, it was a cross came in and he's like dropped it into player's foot. Like he's dropped it backwards pretty much. I don't understand how you do that. Um, but anyway, it, that win sends PSG very, very clear at the top of the table. Uh, they're on 56 points, 13 points clear of Marseille. So as Ryan kind of mentioned earlier, uh, all eyes on Serie A because it's the only league that's not dead. Um, but in the top four race is hotting up in France. I mean, uh, Julien Stéphane's uh, Strasbourg currently occupy full spot, which is brilliant for them. I think I've mentioned them before. They got promoted, I believe, in 2017, and they immediately won the French Cup. So, like, a year after getting promoted, they were playing in Europe. They, it, they're quite a fun side. They play... Um, if you guys play FIFA, you guys play FIFA, right? Do you remember the... Uh, a couple of FIFAs ago, or at least there's a few in a row, where a French right wing back called Kenny Lala carried on getting in form. So you guys, you guys know that guy? Yeah, yeah I've yeah. actually not played it for a number of years now. FIFA. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan knows. Ryan knows. I'm on Andy's vibe. I don't really play FIFA too much, but yeah, he, he's a Strasbourg player because at Strasbourg they have a striker called Ludovic Ajok, who's six foot five, and he scored five headers this season out of ten goals. Um, he's been great. He's always fun, and he's been there for quite a while. So. Strasbourg's all about crossing, but their manager this season, Julian Stefan, he's the guy who took Ren to their first ever Champions League qualification uh, like two seasons ago. Um, yeah, he's kind of tweaked things this year and he's made them a little more, I think, mixed. They still complete the most crosses per 90 in Ligue 1, but there's some good players in there uh, that aren't just sort of wide men. I think Habib Diallo, who's got eight goals and one assist, who uh, was just, I think, I think he's just won. Uh, Afcon with Senegal. I think he went there, but I'm not sure he played too much. Um, yeah, he he's uh, uh, quite a good player. Eight goals this season. So, and then I guess the last last thing to mention would be Leon. Really, I was talking to um, a Leon fan uh, on a Thursday night uh, tw- Twitter space, and he was very critical of the club uh, and just how awful they've been. Really, they. Lost 2-1 at home to Monaco at the weekend. They've had Ryan Cherky, now out injured, who, again, for the people who don't know who I'm talking about, I'll bring you back to FIFA. He's the wonder kid who's like a 70 over or age 17 who has five-star weak foot and uh, five-star skills. That's the best way I can describe him. His contract's up next year, and he's con- and he's been injured for three months now. I think he broke his ankle or something. So this could be the last time he plays for Lyon. And if that's true, I I expect a, a full-on French fan riot because he's meant to be... Obviously, Lyon haven't had success since the, the 2000s. And Cherki uh, was really seen as like their, well, the, maybe the best talent they've ever created. Like He's exceptional. We often throw the term like bow-footed around quite often. But if you look at Fubreff... Uh, the stat sites where it measures the amount of touches taken with each foot. Chucky's like 51% right foot. It's insane. I don't think I've ever seen... The closest player I've seen like that is um, Ben Yedder, who's like 57% and everyone else is like 80% touches. If he leaves, there'll be a right. But um, I think uh, Jonathan might be able to put more next about the predecessors for this team. The manager at the moment, Peter Bosch at Lyon. I was listening this morning to Julien Laurence and he was saying that by the end of February, it'll be decided if Petter Bosch stays or gets sacked. 
uh, because his defensive tactics are suicidal and it's seen him score 31 goals this season and concede 30 in 23 games. What a wonderful balance of not very good. And uh, yeah, that's everything <laughs> from uh, Ligue 1. Fantastic stuff. Thank you, Alex. So we are now heading to our final league, which is the Bundesliga. So, Jonathan, what has been happening the last seven days in Germany? Yes, I'm going to start with, we'll go right into Leverkusen, talk about Peter Bosch. That guy is suicidal. That's a perfect word for it. I remember when he was at Leverkusen, they were so much fun to watch because the defenders would would play so far up the pitch. They were so open in the back and they scored so many goals, um, but they led in at least three every single game. It seems like he hasn't changed his tactics one bit. But they did get a win against Dortmund. They destroyed them 5-2 to two at Dortmund. It wasn't even close. Um, Leverkusen are flying. They now have their new coach in, Gerardo Sione, from Young Boys. He was there for about three or four years. Did some good things in European competitions with them. And, and they've been flying again on the offensive end. 54 goals in 21 games this year. Uh, they had 53 goals in 34 games last year. So they've already surpassed their goal tally from last season. Um, And they've been okay on the defensive end. They didn't have much issue this game. No Holland, uh, no party really for Dortmund. Um, Dortmund just feel open at the back, of course. Nicolas Sule was announced this week. He is going to Bayern Munich, which has upset most Bayern fans. I think they now um, really do feel like he's a snake. There were reports, of course, earlier this season that he was already ready to leave, was trying to do everything he could to get out of the club. I really pegged him to to move to the Premier League, either Chelsea or possibly even Newcastle. So I was really surprised to hear when he went to Dortmund. I think he's on 10 million euros um, a year there. Supposedly he had other offers that could have paid him even more. But for Dortmund to pay him 10 million euros, they really need help on that back end. Akanji's been linked with Man United. Dan Axel Zakadu has has as well been linked with United in the past. And and Hummels is getting old, so they need several replacements. I hope Sule isn't the last one for them, as seen by this game, because they had no chance from the beginning. They were you know, so open, and it wasn't even close. Bayern Munich also had a great game against Leipzig. They barely won 3-2. to uh, Thomas Muller scored. He's been assisting so much this year. He was able to put one away, a little tap-in after Lewandowski shot. He has 18 assists in the Bundesliga campaign. Unreal numbers um, at 32, 33 years old, or however he is, to continue playing like that. Not a fast guy at all. You look at him on the pitch, you're like, how is this guy still playing at this high of a level? Um, it's really great to see. It was unlucky a little bit for Leipzig in the end to at least not get a point um, Serge Gnabry's shot sort of deflected off Josko Guardiol for the last goal, and, and uh, they couldn't really do anything about it. But another win for Bayern uh, pretty much wraps up the Bundesliga again for this year. Uh, Cologne won over Freiburg 1-0. Not much really to say about this game. Pretty boring. But what did come about it was this hilarious uh, Stefan Bumgart COVID video. He's the coach of Cologne and, and had covid and Bundesliga released this great video of him at home on the sofa with his family yelling at the TV constantly throughout the entire game. And his dog was like on his back trying to get him to calm down. 
Uh, so that was good fun. Probably the most exciting part of the game was after watching that video. Augsburg beat Union 2-0. Big win for them in a relegation battle. Uh, massive mistake on one of their goals from the back end from Andres Lutha, the Union goal, goalkeeper. Uh, but for Union not to score a goal against a really sorry Augsburg defense isn't great. Mainz beat Hoffenheim 2-0. Hoffenheim are now winless. I believe in their last four games in all competition, last last three in the Bundesliga, uh, they're in a little bit of a rut. It looks like Kramerich has COVID. Uh, I believe this is his second time this season getting COVID, so not great news for them. Frankfurt beat Stuttgart 3-2. to um, Again, Hrustich came on and had one really unbelievable goal. It was a corner kick, and he just sort of volleyed it in off the left foot into the left-hand corner. Um, and the, which is a big win for them. They've still without Philip Kostic down that left side. Uh, but for Stuttgart fans, it was nice to see Sasa Kalajic score again. You know, he had that sh- shoulder surgery um, and was out for most of the first half of the season. Really hasn't done anything since. Is lethal on headers um, and was finally able to put one away, which was nice to see. But yeah, Stuttgart should really get concerned at this point. I, I They're not... They're better than several of these teams. They're better than Bielefeld. They're better than Augsburg. So it'd be a shame to see them get relegated. But, you know, if they can't even get a point from games like this, it looks like they will be going down. And Wolfsburg finally got a win. They had to win. It was a must win for their coach, Florian Kofeld, or else he would have been out against a terrible Firth side. Uh, Maximilian Arnold finally scored a free kick. He's been unbelievable these last couple of years. Um, and set pieces and finally was able to put one away after a long time without scoring. Really weird to see Max Kruse um, in for Wolfsburg playing for them instead of for Union Berlin and was automatically put into the starting lineup and um, already contributed with little assist on the first goal. And that's about it for the Bundesliga. I mean, it's really nice to see fans back in the stands. It looks like all 16 states in Germany have agreed to have at least 10,000 fans, or I think that's about 50% for all teams. So hopefully in the coming weeks, more and more will continue to get added so we can get back to full stadiums. The big news of the week is, of course, Nicholas Sule to Dortmund. Um, Bayern fans were hilarious on Twitter, um, but I, I guess he wants to be a part of that back line and, and try and you know give up four goals a game if he wants to do that. So be it. And four points separate uh, four through ten in the standings in the Bundesliga. So at the moment, we're really looking at those European places and who's going to fill those. And that's what's been happening the last week in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I do find that somewhat hilarious that the Bayern fans are annoyed at Dortmund for them stealing their player, considering the long history of players like Goethe, uh, uh, Hamels, Lewandowski, you've all, they've all taken from them. So I find it very ironic that the Bayern, the Bayern fans are now complaining that the Dortmund players have have been stolen, they've taken their players. I think that's um, what they call a taste of their own medicine, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it's, it still feels weird. I mean, he said in an interview that, um, you know, he felt wanted at Dortmund, that the CEO really wanted him. He didn't feel as wanted at Premier League clubs, even though he supposedly has stated that he was offered more money. I, I don't really understand the situation, but, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch him in a Dortmund shirt next year. Yeah, I think that's a good signing for them as well. Um, so that is um, 
what what is a shorter podcast than normal this week, but that has been our usual weekly roundup of all European football. So thanks everyone once again for listening to the podcast. I have been your host Andy. This has been Jonathan. This has been Ryan. This has been Alex. This has been Naeem. And we will see you next time.